Club. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking This Down, a podcast where we break down growth strategies to help entrepreneurs be around the world for their businesses. Starting a business is one of the hardest things that anybody can do, and asking for a little help never hurt anybody. Today, we're joined by one of the co-founders at Major League Socks. Major League Socks is a really interesting e-commerce company that I'm sure you've heard of that sells socks with famous hockey players' faces on them. Growing a business of this magnitude is no easy task. And in today's conversation, we learn about a bunch of cool tips and tricks that they use to grow their business, understand how e-commerce businesses can grow successfully, and ultimately, we have a little surprise for everybody at the end. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening. So, thank you, Tommy, for joining us today. We're very excited to have you and learn a little bit more about Major League Socks everything that you've been up to give our listeners a quick elevator pitch what do we need to know all right so uh this goes back about five years jake my business partner and i are toronto maple leaf hockey fans and mike babcock who's a bit of a legend in the hockey coaching world was hired as the leafs coach and we were having beers after a hockey game and Jake made a joke about putting Babcock on a pair of socks and calling them Bab socks. And uh, I just thought it was a really funny play on words and it became a viral hit. And we ran with the Bab socks for a couple years and eventually got introduced to the world of licensing. And now we work with the NHL Players Association, NHL alumni, Major League Baseball Players Association and newly signed with Liverpool Football Club, the greatest football club in the world. I couldn't echo those words more. Uh, how, did, how did that come about? You guys have been primarily focused in North America. Was there always an interest in trying European football clubs? or? Yeah, so basically what happened was we knew nothing about running a business, uh, not to mention the licensing world. So the thing that Babcock brought was, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are, are the most historic. Some would argue maybe Montreal would be, but I'm going to argue that Toronto is the most historic <laughs> hockey club and when he signed he was kind of the face of the club you know there, there wasn't any players at the time that were more famous than he was he was the face of the club and it was kind of similar with Liverpool when Klopp signed so we actually had built a prototype of Klopp very soon after running the Bab Sox and reached out to the club and they told us it was massively illegal what we were doing and we had to destroy the samples that we had created and it turned out that getting a deal directly with club would have been much more challenging so we actually went the traditional licensing route and had a meeting with the NHL alumni and pitched the concept of Bab Sox with the NHL alumni and I think that meeting lasted about five minutes because they loved the idea and, you know, that's what kick-started Major League Sox. Exciting. And would you say that that's been generally the source of most of your growth coming from that direction and sort of learning on the fly? Or how has that been going? You know, I, it's funny because we're five years in and I feel like we're still learning on the fly. 
learning more about our customer, learning more about what makes a great sock, <laughs> um, finding players that are both dominant in their sport, but also have a bit of a jazzy personality. You know, some guys are, are dominant players, but, you know, don't necessarily have the biggest personality. So it's just, you know, socks are, are a bit of a different fashion item. So it requires a, a character that fits that category. So it's actually going to be one of my questions. Have you found that there's specific players that carry sales, for example, or is it more the team that uh, you support? So for example, I am about to go shop a whole bunch of Liverpool socks. But, <laughs> um, I love Liverpool and I'm, uh, as a German, in love with club just, and his football philosophy. But is it more the team or is it more the individuals that have been carrying some of the sales? Well, I think when the team is doing well, the fan base is buzzing. So it's a little bit of both. You know, in, we're a Toronto, well, we started in Toronto and we're recognized probably best in Toronto. So when Austin Matthews is going out there and scoring four goals a night, he's the topic of conversation. And, you know, if you're following us on Instagram or on in any of our social channels and, you know, there's something that comes up about Austin Matthews, they might be a little more quick to pull the trigger on a purchase. Fair. Um, before we dive into what I think was an interesting point there around social and timing, I wanted to ask, have you always known that you wanted to run your own business? Did this, because it kind of sounds like from the beginning this sort of happened, but was there always this idea that you wanted to be your own boss or? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jake and I had joked around about uh, probably a thousand different businesses that were all kind of fun, silly ideas. And it just so happened that Bab Socks was the funniest and the silliest. So it was a bit of a lightning in a bottle. So we got pretty lucky because that was our first real stab at running a business. And thankfully, we had a lot of support from the hockey community and the media in general. So, yeah, we, we, we hit the ground running. And it was tough to keep up with demand at the beginning because I think before Fox, NBC, CBS, every major sporting media outlet posted the story. I don't even think we had a website and more than 50 pairs to sell. So we had a, we had a lot to learn quickly, but I'm certainly grateful for all of the support. It's exciting. Um, I want to touch upon what you just said around, you know, you see Austin Matthews score four goals um, and then something pops up on your Instagram feed. How important have you found social media or any of those platforms to continue carrying that growth from what you've had from media and just general love in Toronto and North America? You know, I think when the time is right, it makes perfect sense, especially for, you know, a lot of those customers that might be a bit impulsive. I am certainly an impulsive customer. You know, if I see something flashy show up on my Instagram feed, I'm, I'm probably going to purchase it before I ask any questions about the, the legitimacy of it. But yeah, I think it's important. I think relevant topics kind of drive conversation. So for a new business, do you say, would you say that just posting things organically um, at the right time and the right place is more important than, for example, throwing money at an ad or um, in your experience, what has worked better for you guys? You know, I think a lot of the coverage that we've got from the media, you know, we started, we established ourselves as a hockey brand. So a lot of the media coverage that we've got has been from the hockey space. 
the Liverpool license is so new, the MLB license is so new that a lot of people in in those industries don't really know who we are yet. But we've done a lot of work, fundraising work in the community that made it easy for people to talk about us. So a lot of the the you know sales that we've been able to drive have been from organic media outlets. So I think without being backed by a ton of capital and without having a ton of inventory to sell, I think it's important to kind of build a brand identity. And once, once, once you have that, then I think you've, you've got your feet off the ground and then, you know, additional capital, additional inventory, that all comes in, in good time. I think that's a really good point because we often see, and some of our clients are like this, where they're just, you see back to them, the idea is just to throw a bunch of money for growth rather than building a sustainable business. And which is why I find you know, Major League Soccer so interesting. It's not just, let's go raise a bunch of money, make a bunch of, you know, sell a bunch of products, even at a loss, just so that we can in the future sell the business, but uh, actually build a sustainable business that not just benefits, you know, the business, but you guys do a lot of work in your communities especially around COVID, you guys were doing the hero line. What brought that about? How did that go? And I think you donate 100% of all proceeds of that to Canadian Red Cross. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So when we started the business, you know, Babcock at the time, he was like a, he was a real uh, advocate for mental health, both in the hockey community and outside the hockey community. And, And we knew that we needed to respect him as a figure but we also, that was just like naturally something that we always wanted to do. I think Jake and I came from a pretty good community and we're pretty lucky to have grown up where we did. And and we wanted to make sure that we were giving back. So, you know, we've raised a lot of money in the mental health community. We've, we've done a lot of fundraising stuff with minor hockey. So, you know, we tried to, or we're still trying to become kind of like the girl guide cookies of minor hockey. So we've, we've done a lot of work in that space and, you know, COVID hit and there was an opportunity to celebrate the frontline workers. So, you know, while we knew that sports were no longer kind of the most important topic in the world, we kind of went to where the conversations were, were happening and, yeah, we, we, we honored them in the best way we knew how with socks. I think that's quite honorable. Yeah, they're great. They're great looking socks too. They are. Yeah, those are top. They pair. really are. <laughs> yeah. um, and I would imagine very comfy. On that note, it sounds like you guys have your finger on the pulse a little bit with what's going on in the general surrounding, whether in sports, in the world. How much of that... COVID aside, because COVID is a bit of an oddball, um, how much of that has played an impact on, you know, the direction that you take the business in? You know, you're not talking about your licensing deal with Liverpool. Is that, you know, you're seeing the sport grow? It's just personal interest for you, obviously. But, you know, from a business perspective, how, mu- how important has it been for you to stay on that pulse of what's going on in the world? I think it's pretty important. I mean, uh, the Liverpool one... You know, it, it was actually great timing because I think a year into our, our license, they went and won the league, which they hadn't done in, I think, 30 years. You know, you've got a, American players that are making a name for themselves abroad. So the game of soccer is certainly becoming more popular. 
and most notably the premiership. So there's definitely an opportunity in the premiership and Liverpool just happened to be the first, first club we went after. I think um, the football fans have a way of celebrating the sport and players. That's just generally more fun than a lot of the North American sports. And our business is built around fun. You know, like, I don't think that we take our, we definitely don't take ourselves too seriously. And we just want people to have fun. I am Alexandria Collis, Director of Customer Experience for Princess Polly. I'm focused on our strategy and innovation in the CX department here at Princess Polly. I have a quote and I always tell our CX leaders that customer experience is the heart of an organization and we pump the blood and deliver the oxygen to the vital organs in the business to help them thrive and grow stronger. The gorgeous platform allows our agents a seamless place to just do it all. We are really there for the customer every step of the way if they want. Our customers expect quality and efficiency where they are. So the real question is, how do you get quality and efficiency across every single platform? And then once you have it, how do you maintain it? And I believe that with the Gorgeous platform, we can do that. If you're interested in learning more about Gorgeous, go to gorgeous.com and mention podcast for two months free. At the end of the day, sports is about winning, but it's also a lot about having fun, right? That's why we go to stadiums. That's why we have a plank or two. For sure. Um, are we going to get Christian Pulisic stocks pretty soon? Is that what it sounds like? Um, yeah, I don't know in what colors, though, because it seems like uh, <laughs> he's been headhunted. Yes. I, I would love to see him do well. You know, I would never say that about an American hockey player because I think the rivalry between Canada and the U.S. in the hockey space is is pretty tight. But I've always cheered on the Americans in soccer love seeing the game grow because you know if it's not growing in the u.s it's not growing in canada but the canadians are doing pretty damn good now too i don't know if you saw that last match against mexico but uh they beat mexico 2-0 at home canada's leading the world cup qualifying right now which is insane (laughs) exciting yeah yeah um very cool you guys have a, a lot of really good players internationally as well well, Alfonso Davies is like right at the top. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just becoming well versed in, in who a lot of these guys are, but I know there's a couple guys in Turkey. I know John David. Um, he's in France, and these guys are these guys are highly touted. So it's great. Yep. To Sadly, it sounds like Alfonso Davies is going to leave Bayern, if I'm not mistaken, which is my team. But oh um, wow, where is he going to be going? I don't know. There are a few um, clubs that you go from there. That's true. I'm not sure. It seems like Bayern is like a recruiting pit for Barcelona at this point or somewhere in the south, but south and southern Europe. I'm not sure. We'll see. Yeah, he'd make a great sock, club. I'll tell you that much. He's yes, like, yes, he thinks <laughs> all the sock boxes for, uh, for sock success. Yeah, he would, I would imagine. To take it back to the business side of things, in your experience, if you were a new business coming in right now and you're sort of giving, let's say, your younger self a little bit of advice, what are some of the best growth strategies that you've learned in the time that you've run Major League Sox that you would impart on either younger self or someone that's starting right now? I would say have a, have a great story. Have your customer be proud. I mean, in my, I, I can't help but relate it to like a, an item of clothing, but 
you know, just make sure that your customer has something to talk about and share, you know, your, your, share your story, make your story shareable. How about that? <laughs> I think that's really beautiful. And your part hits that on the head, right? It's something that you also to some extent want to show off. Yeah. Um, you sh- Yeah. You want someone yeah. to show it off because they either the quality of the product is so good that they need to yeah. talk about it. Or, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's some community connection, some, some, yeah, that would be, that would be my, my advice for sure. And what would you say is one of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now, getting, you know, things running again, again, COVID aside, because that's just this weird cluster that's hanging over one, everyone's head. Yeah. I think inventory management is, is particularly tricky because you can have a ton of capital to advertise but you don't have the relevant stock to move. So it's like, it it is such a delicate balance of having product that is hot to sell and making sure you have money when the product comes in to tell people about it. Yeah, fair enough. That's interesting. Have you guys been pretty affected by supply chain issues going through this right now? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's been... You know, th- there's been the COVID delays, which have impacted the world economy. And then, for example, last week, there's like mudslides in BC. So after all of the madness of COVID, just hearing some tough luck about these <laughs> mudslides, just like at this point, it's kind of laughable. But uh, yeah, there's definitely been challenges, but we are coming out of it now for sure. On that, I think a lot of people always have this rosy idea of what it's like to start a business that you sort of, if you build it, they will come almost, which to some extent was true. It sounds like for you guys a little bit, what would you say is a common myth about starting a business that most people get wrong? Well, you know, I don't think that I would be squashing any myths, but what I will say is that the highs are so high, but on the other end, sometimes the lows can be pretty devastating and it's been it's been tough to stay motivated just because you know not knowing when all of this was gonna end and you know just felt like it was going on forever like I'm grateful that the Canadian government kind of stepped up and gave small businesses a lot of support so you know I, I guess the biggest challenge is just finding ways to stay motivated when you're going through those low periods because, you know, you're guaranteed to go through them. To make this a little bit personal, my mo- my therapist always says motivation gets you started, but discipline gets you through it. Yeah. Ironically, what's gotten me through it is now punching a boxing bag. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever works, man. Whatever works. It's been more physical than mental to deal with it, but I find that that's very true. We have situations where, for example, we lost our favorite client, even though results were fine, just because their investors wanted to take it in a different direction. And, you know, you put your both sides, it's obviously their business, but you put your blood, sweat and tears into it. And then at the end of the day, you know, those lows, those lows sting different from what you're talking about. But I think that's what most people can relate to. Do you have a productivity hack? you know, help a, help a guy out here. Um, how are you staying? How are you staying productive? Uh, honestly, that, that that's something that I'm working on. I think it's, it, it has honestly been really tough to battle through it. I'm not going to lie. You know, the, 
the motivation and discipline. Those are two righteous attributes that I wish I was a pro. You know, I, I think just hard, honestly, just battling through it, hard work, trying to stay positive, control what you can control and, and best manage what you can't. I think that's, that's an important point right there. You can only control so much, right? At the end of the day, there's only certain things that you're in control of and you kind of at some point have to learn to let go of the things that you're not. And that realization does really help. Has having a partner in all this, a business partner in all this, made things a little bit easier to oh, balance yeah. things off of? For sure. For sure. Because, you know, I feel like uh, the business has been carried by one or one each of us for, for extended periods of time, you know, Jake, uh, my business partner, he's about to have his first kid in December. So, you know, I think uh, Jake has been really, really good the last, you know, throughout COVID. He's probably been better than me, to be completely honest. And hopefully uh, I can do him justice when when he brings the, a new human to this one. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, Definitely but, um, helps having a partner and just having, yeah. you know, I'm lucky. I've got a, a family that supports me. I've got great friends that support me. You know, a lot of my friends have started their own businesses too. So, you know, family and friend support is great, but I think also having people in your circle of friends that are business owners themselves, um, just to bounce ideas and, have conversations with. I'd love to touch upon that point a little bit because one thing that I've found personally is that a lot of people are very secretive and guarded when it comes to talking about their business. They're either worried that you're going to steal their idea or you always have to say everything's fine, even though it's not because you want to put on this facade that, you know, people will always discount you and discard you mm -hmm. the moment things don't go so well. And in my personal experience, just being vulnerable and honest with a friend a partner and just saying, Hey, you know, shit sucks right now. Yeah. That's where we found the most growth. And that's where we found, you know, both personally and for the business. And mm -hmm. I'm curious, how have you to some extent cultivated that community? Because most founders that I talk to, they find it very hard. Maybe it's a, a New York thing or a, um, you know, us thing, but it seems a little bit more. Yeah. There's, yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely much easier to share the successes, you know, it, I feel yeah. like it's uh, kind of similar to a gambler. You know, he's not going to tell you about all his losses, but he's certainly going to tell you about the wins. But um, I think a really good example of, you know, just having uh, a community to support you. We had this problem with packaging and Jake and I, we just tried every, so, so our socks come packaged in like a sleeve and a tray and it's uh, peggable, so that means that there's like a little hole that the, the package sits on. But what was happening is the sleeve or the tray was sliding out of the packaging. And we, were, we had a problem with this for like a year and a half. And I just mentioned it to my friend, Steph. And he literally solved the problem in two seconds. So I think sometimes when you're, when you're so in, in the problem... There are such easy solutions, but you have to go outside of the box to find them. And yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. He literally solved a year and a half problem. And, and I'm not even kidding. It was like two minutes. 
So he just moved moved the uh, where the peggable piece was on the packaging. Wow, that's a good story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish I had a package yeah. to show you because it was such a simple yeah. problem. But uh, you know, not all problems are are quite that simple. But you know, I imagine even the complex problems require outside help too. Yeah. It, at the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned a little bit around how important it was to one have a really great product, have fun, but also sit close with your buyers, right? Um, and ultimately your end consumer. How have you guys fostered that relationship with your, you know, customers? You know, just continue to to put out a good product, continue to have fun with the product, encourage people to have fun with the product. And just kind of stick to our roots. You know, I think we're, we've grown, like our licensing portfolio is really impressive, but the product has not changed at all. You know, we haven't sacrificed any of the quality and, you know, we've certainly improved on, you know, whether it's the artwork or how the artwork is translated onto the socks and, you know, continue to ask customers what they're looking for and, and what made them excited about the product and continue to grow the sock roster because people can't get enough. I'm curious on the last bit that you mentioned, we're, we're in the process of launching our own direct-to-consumer brand again. And one thing that we've been trying to figure out is how can we get feedback from our customer the best possible way is there a little trick that you found i mean it sounds like a lot of it boils down to just being authentic having fun with it and they'll give you that information but do you actively go to them and say hey you know what do you guys think yeah yeah we've got a a focus group of friends that we consult with and you know what oftentimes retailers will give advice you know i don't think that our product is perfect and we're certainly not afraid of criticism either. So it's important to ask, but it's uh, important to listen to. Because <laughs> you can ask the I'm question sure. and not get the answer that you wanted. But if that's the truth, then you have to accept that sometimes. Both in business and in life. Yeah. I'm curious how much of your licensing deals or in general have been driven by customer feedback saying, you know, have you guys thought about partnering with this team or has it been mainly driven by your guys' own interest and your understanding of the market? Well, in the licensing world and especially in North America, there, there's only so many places that you can go. So, you know, we don't have an NFL or an NBA deal. I would have loved to have had a, an NBA players deal for, for that Raptors win because the Raps, the Raps were hot. They've got a cool squad. But yeah, I mean, like, it's, it is a small community in the licensing world. So when we've had the opportunity to connect with these people, or, you know, if we've had uh, someone from the NHLPA introduce us to the MLBPA, it's just, it's made those conversations super easy. Interesting. So um, how important have, has this network been for you um, in terms of growth? It sounds like that that's been one of the big drivers? Yeah, super important. I think uh, we've we've tried our best to take care of those licensing agreements and not done anything shady. I think people kind of, people trust us, but you have to work to build that trust. So I think, you know, these entities really like what we're doing. So they're, 
they're happy to give us the opportunity. Exciting. Okay. We've seen a lot of, of our clients very really come mostly from word of mouth. So, you know, that network has been really important for us and nurturing those leads, if you will. It's a very salesy way of putting it, but nurturing those connections, I kind of think of a better way to phrase that. Um, has been yeah, really no, helpful for us as well. That is what it yeah, is, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. What was one thing that really caught you off guard about growing this business? Something where you look back today and you're no, like, what's it's, the... it's funny because the, our our kind of trajectory as a business is is so much the opposite of how other businesses start up. You know, like we came out of the gates so hot and everything we touched turned to cold. And then, you know, you start building this licensing portfolio and you think that like the next one is going to be viral. The next one's going to be viral. The next one's going to be viral. And you just have to start from scratch each and every time. So, you know, we have this MLB deal and all of our customer base are all hockey fans. So now we need to figure out where all those MLB fans are and it's ne- and it's never easy. So it was super easy to start and it's been a continual challenge. So I think um, just making sure that, you know, you're growing at a steady rate is important because it's easy to be overwhelmed and kind of be consumed by all, like everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that can sometimes result in creating problem where there isn't one, which we've seen happen. To wrap things up, one thing that we have been asking all of our guests is, what are three books that you'd recommend um, for someone to read that is looking or going into a business? I don't know if you're big into books. It can be, you know, a bloody YouTube video, a podcast. It can be anything. Is there, you know, three little things where you've, for me, honestly, to give you an example, it's been those motivational videos that some 12 year old probably put together of like Steve Jobs quotes. Yeah. That shit has been super helpful for me. Yeah. Have you found like little things like that, that keep you going? Yeah, for sure. I, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I feel like all my favorite books, it's been so many years and I need to start reading again. For sure, I need to start reading again. That would be a big tip. Do lots of reading. Uh, Do lots of reading. Yeah. Podcasts are great. I listen to How I Built This, which is, you know, it just introduces founders. I really like the Shoe Dog story, which is uh, Mr. Nike and his brand story. I thought that was awesome. I think a lot of you know, those self-help books that uh, when you're when you're desperate for some some positivity, those are always helpful. I think, uh, you know, you, you said the quotes from the Steve Jobs quotes from 12 year olds. You know, I feel like it kind of comes back to golf in some ways. Like there's a thousand different ways of doing one thing, but you have to figure out what works for you. So once you kind of figure out what motivates you and, and what creates the best outcome, just like stick with it. Don't, don't go trying a thousand different things if that one thing is working for you. So I don't know. I wish I had a, a better answer there because I know that there's a huge list of books that have been m- massively impactful, but I'm so bad at remembering titles. You and me both. I have a, an arsenal of books that I've been trying to get through and things that I've been highlighting out of it, but yeah, I never remember where something came from. But I think that golf analogy is really beautiful. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna pick up a book this week. 
you hold me. There you go. You got something out of this. I need to pick up a goddamn book right now. <laughs> there you go. No, cool. Tell us where can people find you? Uh, what would you like them to know? Major League Socks. Yeah, so our, our website is MajorLeagueSocks.com. It's Major League Socks on virtually all the social channels. That's it, really. My name is Thomas McColl. If you want to connect on LinkedIn, I'm not super active on there, but I'm happy to speak to anyone. Uh, my email address is Tommy at MajorLeagueSocks.com. I don't know. I feel like when I started my business, there was a lot of people that I connected with, and I was always really surprised at how willing people were to help. So um, not that I think that I'm a pro at all, but I'm, I would be honored to receive an email or a shout on LinkedIn because I think it's cool. I think that's really important. People, you don't get what you don't ask for, right? And at the beginning, it's always a little bit difficult to ask for help or to make that cold, send that cold email or whatever it means. I mean, hell, that's why the hell we're talking now. I mean, I sent you a random LinkedIn a year and a half ago. Yeah. And, you know, we still talk occasionally yeah. about club mainly. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, Nicole, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Um, some really good stuff in there. And it was awesome to have you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Marco. We'll chat soon.